Let's do that hockey. Welcome to Dauber Prospects Report. This is report number 37. I'm Victor Nuno, one of the co-hosts here. And with me is Peter Harling. How you doing, Pete? Well, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. I seem to have blown my back out. But besides that, I'm very excited to watch some World Junior Hockey in the next couple of days for a few weeks here. It's, it's such a great tournament and it's just about to happen. So we should probably talk about that soon. How about today? I'm down. I'm always down to talk best prospects in the world. I'm, I'm super excited. You know, a little, obviously the conflict in, in Russia and Ukraine is a little outside of the realm of this, but it would be nice to see the Russians. I know that some people were putting like what the best Russian team would be and mm-hmm. they'd, they'd be one of the favorites in this tournament. So it's disappointing that they're not in it, you know, politics aside, like I, I appreciate why they're not, but it is disappointing. It's, it's got to suck for those players too, right? Like it's no fault of their own that they're missing their very small window of opportunity to participate in such a prestigious tournament and an opportunity to win a gold medal. And for some of them, it would be the, the pinnacle of their careers is the world juniors. So I'm really empathetic for collateral damage of the, the prospects. Michigan State had this post and it was like, good luck to our world junior travelers. And it was like, they had four. And I was like, yeah, Trey Augustine, Isaac Howard. Yeah. And then it was like, Tommy Menisto from Finland. I was like, yeah, okay. I think I've heard of him. And I was like, and obviously Lipshunov, right? And I was like, oh, wait, no. Maxim Sturbach from Slovakia because Lipshunov can't go. And it's like, you know, you think about that dynamic, right? And you got these four guys that are going in the same college. And there's a bunch of colleges like BC has a ton as well. And that's just got to be a little awkward, right? It's got to be, yeah, for the, those kids didn't do anything wrong and they they get unfortunately punished. And obviously we're probably already talking too much than we should about this, but it's going to be fun either way to watch the the, the best on best. And so it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. Indeed. So that's the plan for today. We asked in our discord, which, which players do you want to hear about? We got some names. These are also some guys that he and I are just particularly interested in watching. They aren't necessarily all the best players, but some that, are going to be interesting for different reasons to, to watch. And that's what we're going to talk about. Before we get started, though, we want to remind you that Dauber Prospects Report is a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. We're very excited to be part of the army of fantastic hockey podcasts. Check out at HockeyPodNet for all the shows like this one, talking hockey to fantasy to team coverage to you name it. You can also use the DraftKings promo code THPN for listening to the show. We're on that in a little bit. And we are also sponsored by Fantrax, which is the ultimate league manager for any dynasty sport you play. Completely customizable, however you want to set up your league, scoring categories, amazing draft room, and draft pick trading, as well as just treasury options. So, so much more. Use the promo code to sign up for a free league, fantrax.com forward slash DPR show. And Pete, I believe you have the first guy to talk about. My first player I'll talk about is one from the Discord. Boss, this looks like it might suspiciously be coming from our, our producer, Evan. He's a big Nate Danielson and Red Wings fan, so we'll indulge. Danielson. Danielson. He'll be the first player we'll talk about, Nate Danielson for Team Canada. A Detroit Red Wings draft pick from just past draft to 2023. He went ninth overall. He's a six foot two, 187 pound center. And he's 27% fan tracks rostered for anyone who's who's mining for prospects for their, their deep dynasty leagues. And at the draft, there was a lot of people that were kind of questioning this pick by the Red Wings. It was a little bit higher than where a lot of draft outlets had him. And specifically that they passed on other opportunity players, guys like Benson or Perot, et cetera. So 
I think the reason why there are, there's some questions about Nate Danielson kind of steam from what his offensive upside ceiling could be. He's a 19 year old. Um, he's been over a point a game player for the past three seasons in the WHL. So on one hand, um, you know, that's pretty good, consistent, solid production at the junior level uh, that bodes well. Uh, but his point production this year, which is his draft plus one season, has kind of dipped slightly. So you're seeing a bit of a regression. Haven't really had an opportunity to to deep dive in into that as to see why, if it's, it, you know, if it's you know, some players on the team have graduated and he's got lesser opportunity or whatnot. But I'm not talking about just total points. I'm talking about points per game production. So, you know, that that's a little bit of a red flag for me. For this tournament, I don't think we're looking at a player who is going to be looked at for his offensive potential. Like every player on Team Canada is a first line player on whatever team he plays for. And when you're building the team, they're they're looking at players who can fill out roles on the team. And what I think you're going to want to if you're if you're interested in what his potential is as a pro player and you're watching him in this tournament, don't just Pay attention to what he does offensively and the highlights and, and when he has the puck on his stick. I think what will be more telling, Victor, for Nate Danielson is what he does when he, when he doesn't have the puck, which is probably going to be like 95% of the time, right? You hardly ever hold the puck. Like Watch a game and count how long players have possession of the puck when it's on their stick. I, it's quite often less than three or four seconds, and then they, they pass it or shoot it or, or lose possession. Uh, so the amount of time he'll actually have the puck on his stick will be quite limited and he'll be valuable more so than some of the other players in that 95% time because he's a very tenacious forechecker and reliable defensive player. Um, so it's a little bit difficult to watch defensive play on TV. It's way easier to see that on in live viewings, right? Because you can just watch that player like kind of a isolated camera, if you will. And when you're live, you can watch what they're doing and they're, they don't have the puck and they're away from the puck and you can see their positioning, how they're reading the play, how they're reacting, what their effort level is. You know, do they just kind of float around in their position and wait for one of their teammates to recover the puck and then they, they burst for a pass to be available or are they actively retrieving the puck? Are they actively defending? It's really easy to see that live. It's a little bit more difficult on TV to, to capture that. But that's something that I think I'll be I'll be really paying attention to. And one of the things I'll be looking for at this tournament from from Nate Anderson on Team Canada. And then my takeaway from that will have a lot to do with my expectations for him going forward and his, his fantasy value. What's your take on on that, Victor? Yeah, I mean, I think that you're right. Nate Danielson is not probably going to play a prominent scoring role for this team. He's going to be more of a depth piece. And and yeah, I think that's that's he's a very useful player, though. He's someone who he, I think he could play anywhere in this Team Canada lineup, which is, you know, for the candidates, great. He's a very versatile player. He can he can drive play. He's probably going to be a matchup nightmare for all the other teams, you know, wherever he is, probably on the third or fourth line. And that's going to be really good for them. But I don't know that he's going to put up a ton of points. Like you said, though, too, there's a lot of other things to look for and to see what he can what he can do and what, you know, what he can translate into, you know, what's going on with him. Because, yeah, his point production is a little bit down this year. Looking at his PNH Elite chart, 
it kind of peaked in his D minus one season and now it's kind of trending down. Right. More to like a 40, you know, 42 point player. That's not, that's not super exciting. Yeah. So it's the concern of this is he was drafted ninth overall, right? So everyone top 10 picks. So your expectations for top 10 players is to be a first line player, right? If you're a top 10 pick, that should be your projection. I, I don't, I'm not sure I'm seeing that, but I think there's still going to be a lot of value. And while his ceiling might not be that high, I think his floor is quite reliable, right? I, I'm, I'm he projects as an NHL player. He'll be valuable and versatile. He'll play a long time and, and be an important player. I just don't know if he's like someone you want to invest a lot in for fantasy capital. I was already, I was always in that camp, but not someone yeah. that I was super invested in. I thought he was more of a middle to bottom six. You know, depth, probably centerman, maybe winger. So I I don't, I think that he probably is a 40 to 50, maybe 35 to 45 point forward. You know, but he still has time to change our minds on that. And this tournament could be a breaking, breaking out point for him. So, so we'll see. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that Evan gave us the first two choices here because the next one is another Red Wings. <laughs> Axel Sandin Pelika is the next one. And he was drafted 17th overall by the Red Wings. And in, in 2023, 5'11", 181-pound right-handed D. He's Swedish, in case anyone didn't realize that. And I wrote a big article on him over at EP Ringside a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember how long ago it was. But I think that he's a really talented player. He's a little young for this squad. But I still think he's going to get all the offensive minutes that he can handle and that's going to be really good for in terms of you know his his fantasy boost and, and production he is a he's 25 percent roster on fan track so apparently available in a lot of leagues so asp is someone that you can probably get and he has really taken off this season his, his point production in the shl is is pretty solid 13 points in 25 games and you know he played 22 shl games last season had five points and it's more than that. He's actually been really improving his defensive play. The questions, he always had questions of like, could he be strong enough? Could he defend well enough? And and so far, he's doing his best to answer some of those questions. I'm not sure that they're fully answered, but he has really improved that. And I mean, he's playing in a really, really tough league. So this is different from a lot of the other guys that we're going to be talking about. So I think that he's someone that I could see really shine at this tournament because the level of play at World Junior is always a bit higher than a lot of the junior leagues, but it's it's going to be kind of similar for him. And I think it potentially even a little bit easier in some ways. So I think that I could see ASP really, really dominate. And Sweden is looking like they're going to be one of the top three teams, I would say between us, Canada and Sweden. So I think that he's going to be involved in a lot of the offense and the fact that they're turning to him over a couple of the older defenders in terms of power play opportunities says a lot. And I really think that ASP is going to, raise his stock even more at this tournament which uh, is going to be a little hard to believe because it's already gone up quite a lot in that article i got some input from a lot of other scouts and and you know a lot of them are pretty convinced that he is going to be the power play quarterback of the future they have a lot of good options there in detroit but you know pretty sure that he's going to be you know kind of that middle pairing top top power play guy kind of depends on how they decide to run their power play because he has more sort of mobility and offensive creativity but he doesn't necessarily have the biggest shot not that that's something you necessarily want from 
your power play quarterback, you kind of want more. I, I think that, you know, his shot is good enough to be respected, but it's not like the, the booming clapper, but we kind of moved away from that anyways. But anyways, I think that ASP, you know, he's, we talked about Danielson kind of decreasing his equivalencies and, and production. ASP has been playing tougher minutes and a tougher league and increasing his equivalency across any, any sort of app or uh, platform you look at. And that's pretty impressive and hard to do. So I'm really excited to see how one of the best recently drafted players on one of the best teams in the tournament does, because he's also not going to be the youngest on the Swedish team, but he's one of the younger players, but I expect him to be a leader. And that's a, that's a cool position to be in. You have thoughts on him, Pete? I do. I can't remember if it was the Halinka or the U18s that I was watching that he was in. Whatever one it was, it was on TSN. And Craig Button couldn't stop talking about him because he was dominating the play. Like every time he got the puck, it was going up the ice. Or if it was already up the ice, you know, he was able to maintain possession. He was able to drive the play. You're talking about him being a power play quarterback. I agree with that. I think he's got really good vision. He walks the line at the blue line with so much poise. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Thomas Caberlet for all you old Leaf fans, where he commanded so much respect on the blue line, on the power play that, you know, four checkers were f- afraid to over-engage with him because he, he drew them out of position so well. And I could see ASP doing that. And then not only is he effective running the power play, he's just really good at rushing the puck up the ice and carrying the puck, joining the rush, leading the rush, being he's a very dangerous offensive player he's a little diminutive but you know this day and age that's not the end of the world i really think he's got the potential to be a breakout candidate in this tournament and he's i think he's like one of the top two favorites for me for the defenseman of the tournament between him and and lane hudson we'll talk a little bit about lane later but yeah he's certainly a player that i'm i have very high expectations for and i'm like Kind of like Evan, I'm salivating to see what he does in this tournament because I think it's going to be juicy. I'm going to pop in here, guys, real quick. It's been a long day. I was sick, and I just had to jump in for a minute. Victor, what do you say What do you say to the people that make the comparisons to Quinn Hughes about him being a right-handed Quinn Hughes based on his size, his speed, and his lateral movement? Are there any similar comparisons to him? Because I've read where some people say that, and other people say they, that there's not a, they're not similar. Yeah, well, I think the similarities are that they're both offensive defensemen, but I think they're different in, in a few ways. For one thing, I think ASP has a better shot uh, and might might be slightly better defensively at this stage, but Quinn was, is just such, such a, a smarter player, I think. You know, he has a much better awareness of where everyone is on the ice and is just an amazing skater. So, you know, I think that there's some... Di- there's It's not like a complete out of left field, I see it, but also they, they are kind of different players you know, when Quinn was at this age, I was sort of questioning, is he someone that can actually be a number one defenseman? But he proved that he can be, you know, he can be an all situations guy. He's and a lot of that comes from the fact that he is so good with his stick. He angles people to where he wants them to go. And he has enough physicality to, you know, make it work in his own end, even though he's not the biggest guy. But his skating, his speed and the way he kind of closes on people and, and uses his stick that way makes that makes that an option for him i'm i don't think that asp has those qualities quite to that level so that's why i think he's probably more of a you know ultimately more of like a second maybe third pairing guy but i think that that's still saying a lot you know that's not 
that's not bad. That's just he's not quite in the elite territory in terms of like all around. It, it takes a really special player to be a, a top pairing, top power play for sure guy in the future. And I think he's he's just a small step, like a half step behind that. I see a little bit of shades of Ryan Ellis in his game. Some components I think are similar there. Stature, skating, puck possession. Ryan Ellis could shoot the puck like nobody's business. And I don't think ASP's got that kind of a shot yet. He could could develop it. But I mean, those are two pretty favorable, favorable comps to be talking about for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking like he he probably pretty happy being compared with those guys. I think Ellis Ellis was also much better, I think, def- defensively in the sense of how he kind of made people do what he wanted them to do. And I don't see ASP doing that yet. He's a little he's a little more passive in his zone. And when he defends, like he's not like completely out of it, but he's not as active kind of making you know, angling people the, the way he wants them to go. And Ellis, for a small guy, was incredible at that. That's why he had such a good career. So, yeah, but that's that's probably a, a good comparison, too. Ellis also had, like, a dynamite world junior career where he was a superstar at this tournament. And I think we could see that from, from ASP this year, too. All right, that's enough love for Evan and, and ASP. Let's, let's move on to the next guy on the list. We're going to circle back to Canada and talk about Jordan Dumais. Dumas, Mass, Columbus Blue Jackets prospect. Drafted in 2022 in the third round, 96 overall. He is another diminutive player, 5'9, 174. He's got 19% fan tracks roster ship at the moment. That's probably going to go up. He's on pace for his third 100 plus point campaign in the queue. That's pretty good production for a pretty consistent amount of time. He's leading the league in points per game by a wide margin. He's got 47 points in 21 games, which is two and a quarter points per game practically. So this is a dynamic offensive player. He drives play. He's got speed, vision. He can score, make plays, set up goals. He's very offensively driven. He excels at distributing the puck, and he's got some some high-end offensive vision. So kind of the opposite of what we were talking about with, with Nate Danielson. And I think what you're going to be looking for in this tournament uh, at the World Juniors for him is, is he needs to be an offensive producer. He needs to do that. Nate Danielson doesn't need to, to be offensive. I mean, he's got good production in the dub, Nate Danielson does, but he's not going to be looked at to be an offensive leader on this team the way Jordan Demay is. And if he's not producing, if he doesn't score goals and set up plays for Canada and, and excel on the power play, then he's going to run out of ice time real quick, right? Because he doesn't, he's not going to bring you a lot of other elements to the game. So that's kind of what, what my take is on what to expect from him in this tournament. How are you seeing things, Victor? Well, Dumay is someone who continues to defy expectations everywhere he goes and everything he does for a, smaller player but yeah i think he's the real the real deal and he is he's a really exciting player and, and the size you know has never been an issue for him he just kind of produces everywhere he goes so he's he's an exciting one he's definitely you know they're definitely going to lean on him i think for some of those offensive minutes and you know people are saying this this is maybe a little down year in terms of who canada is sending but he's still really an exciting player that i think should get ton of really good opportunities yeah, I want to be clear that I'm not suggesting that I think he's going to flame out and bust at the tournament. I, I think he's going to be very electric 
and have a fair amount of points for Canada. But if he doesn't, he's in trouble. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because that that is really why he's there. So, all right, let's move on to my next guy, Matthew Wood. He's a 2023 15th overall pick, 6'4", 196 pound left winger. He was nearly a point per game as a freshman at Connecticut and really great at the U18s last year for Canada. And so far this season, he's been a, a little on the lower side. I think it's it's fair to say he has just 12 points in 17 games. So quite a bit lower. EP labeled him one of the biggest boom bust types in this draft for his skating, even though the physical traits are really undeniable there. He's got really great size. But the skating is still really rough. I went back actually last week and watched some more skating on him and it still looks rough. I got to say, I'm a little concerned about him. He he really, he, Matthew Wood, I think is someone who needs someone else to do a lot of the work for him. Someone to get the puck, bring it up on ice, bring it up ice to him. But in the right situation, you know, he can, he he's great. You know, he's really, he's strong. He's big. He's physical in front of the net. He's got a good shot. He can finish. So if someone else can retrieve pucks, enter, exit the zone, he can be, he can be good. You know, is that, uh, is that Celebrini? I don't know. Uh, Jaeger, Cowan, I know they got Poitra. So paired with the right centerman, I think Matthew Wood could be good, but he was a step behind in a bunch of the college games I was watching. Like he was having trouble keeping up with some of the play. And I think that's going to be worse at this tournament because there's some speedy, speedy players, especially for the Americans and, and the Swedes. So Against the other teams, I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't be so worried. So he's someone who needs a particular role, I would say, Matthew Wood. Uh, if you look at his equivalencies, you would expect, as you would expect, they, they've gone down quite a bit. I mean, he was up to like a 75 point player PNHLE, and now he's down to like 48. So that's a big drop. His star potential in hockey prospecting has gone down. So I, I do, I'm really interested to see him, what he does in this tournament, because like I said, I, I was concerned with some of those college viewings. And if that's true here and potentially at the World Juniors, like how's that going to be in the NHL? He still has time to work on that. If that doesn't continue to improve, I think that that's that's also a little bit of an issue in the NHL. And not only that, looking at the centers in Nashville, I mean, I know it's hard. We don't know exactly how things are going to be in the future, but like who do who do they have down the middle in Nashville that is going to be there when he's there? Like Novak, Glass, Tomasino, Parsonen, Fetchkoff. I don't know. Like Tomasino's really fast. So is Novak. They can move, but you know, Glass isn't particularly feet of fleet of foot. Neither is Feshnikov. So I don't know. Like it, it's just looking down the road, uh, I'd be a little bit concerned about you know that that endpoint for Matthew Wood. What are your What are your thoughts on him, Pete? Yeah, I kind of see it the same way as you do for the most part. But I've seen a lot of players who, in their teenage and development years, really had knocks on their skating and. You know, not all of them, but some of them can overcome that. And with a lot of hard work and, and coaching, you can, that's a, it's a learnable skill. You know, you're not, some people are just born better at it than others, but getting yourself to the point where it's average is possible for just about everybody. Just requires the right amount of coaching and, and work and training. And if he puts in the work for his skating game, then, then that will eliminate a lot of the concerns that I have but there's, there's two factors for keeping up with the pace of the play and, you know, physical speed is, is one of them for sure. But then this is a mental processing capability that is a lot harder to train and practice and coach up. You either have that or you don't. 
So that is something that we'll clearly be able to see at this tournament. So that that'll be worth watching with Matthew Wood. How does he mentally process the game? Because if he processes that at an elite level, then that can really compensate as well for some of his lack of foot speed. So that's something to watch for sure. Yeah, and I haven't watched him closely enough to really say one way or another how I, what I think about that. But you're absolutely right. A really good thing to watch for in this tournament. All right, so that's Matthew Wood. Let's move on to another kind of a little Canada heavy at the start of the show here, but that's okay. I'm Canadian. Owen Beck, Montreal Canadiens prospect. 2022 round two, 33rd overall by the Habs. Six foot 190. He's 15% fan tracks rostered, and he is Canada's only returning player from last year's gold medal roster, which is really weird for, for Canada not to have a couple of returning players. He only played in three games in that tournament, though, but he'll be looked at for some leadership for Team Canada for sure in this tournament. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a letter on in front of his shirt for the tournament as well. He is a capable offensive player, but for this tournament, similar to Danielson, I think he's projected to be like a bottom six, fourth line kind of center. He should definitely play center. He is dominant on draws. He's really good at winning face-offs. And that's really important when you've got defensive zone face-offs. And he can play a really physical game as well. You know, he's not a huge beast, like I said, six foot 190, but he plays an, an aggressive, rambunctious, tenacious, truculent sort of game. He's very suffocating defensively and forechecks relentlessly. So ideal for a bottom pairing checking kind of role. And like I said, he's not limited offensively either. So I really like his certainty looking forward, like beyond this tournament of making it to the NHL. I like his NHL projectability, given his style of play. I'm not as confident about his offensive upside. So his fantasy value likely lies higher in multi-cat leagues or as trade bait to Habs fans. And this would be a, a good player, I think, who if he has a pretty good tournament, you know, like is he, he's got the potential to, to really stand out for Canada and be one of Canada's darlings, like, like Ridley Gregg was, right? Like he'll score you some points. He'll be great defensively. He'll hit and just, he'll be stand out when he's on the ice and he'll be the captain. And if Canada wins gold, he'll be the guy to go out and pick up the trophy and hold it up first. Right. That, that is like the, in my opinion, the ideal time to call up your Montreal Canadiens fan and say, you want him? He's going to cost you, but you can have him if you want him and, and, and reap the benefits of a, of a trade rape there. So that, that's kind of the way I'm, I'm seeing Owen Beck and his value and his role in this tournament. I think it's going to be at an all-time high come early January. What do you think, Victor? Yeah, you know, Beck's someone that I always liked. You know, you watch the way he plays the game and it and he's just so smart out there. He he generally makes the the right play, the best play. It isn't always the most creative or you know, offensively stimulating, but it's it's a good play. It's it doesn't put the team at risk. He doesn't take a ton of big risks and and that's that's a fantastic player. You know, we just had at Fantasy Hockey Life, we just had Lauren Kelly, who's an OHL scout for EP Ringside on and we were talking a bit about Beck and and you know he, he's been interesting because he his production has dipped a little bit this year but he's also been moved all around uh, for a couple of teams and I don't know that Peterborough is the best place for him right now so it maybe he'll maybe he gets maybe he's 
stars at the World Junior. Maybe he gets traded at the OHL deadline and he could have a really, really big season. And that would be, like you said, great. Because I also think that I would probably try to sell high on Beck because I think that long-term he's a bottom six center. I don't think that he in the NHL is the top six center. So I think he's a, a projectable NHL player. I just don't think it's going to be that high in the lineup. So absolutely. Cap, this is something that generally I think a lot of fantasy GMs realize is that you can capitalize on world junior performance and you know, sell high on, on players after. So send those trade offers potentially even during the tournament, you know, when someone's having a good game, that's a, that's a good, good time to do that. All right, let's move on to my next one. Rutger McGrory, 2022 14th overall pick by Winnipeg, 6'1", 205 pound left wing. We talked about him on a previous show and he hasn't played at Michigan since he fell awkwardly into the boards there. He has, he was at selection camp. He went to camp. In fact, apparently they were they were leaving. And I know Chris Peters mentioned on Twitter that he he asked him if he's going to be going, if he's going to be playing. And he just kind of gave him gave him a little wry smile like, we'll see. So I'm pretty sure he's going to be in. And he's a really good player. He's he's kind of one of these heart and soul kind of guys, you know, where he, he he can put up points, but he's also like he'll do whatever you need on the ice. Like he'll make the hit. He'll block a shot. He'll score a goal he'll he'll do whatever you know not to the same elite level but kind of that mark messier player that's just going to do it absolutely whatever's necessary for the team i'm not saying the offense of mark messier but you know what i mean he's not the finesse guy he's a he's a little bit more rough and tumble and but but he also has pretty good scoring you know touch. he was playing on a line with cutter goatee and jimmy, jimmy snuggerud which is probably usa's top line and probably is going to feast on every every game that is not against Sweden and Canada. So there he's probably going to put up a ton of points. And, you know, I think that he's, his, his trajectory, it looks like it's increasing too. I mean, before he had that injury at Michigan, he was, he was really popping off 18 points in 13 games. It might be a little hard for him to get going once he is back after the tournament, but this could be a big jumping off point for him. And, you know, he, he's got the size and he's got that projectability. I mean, he's someone who could see NHL games at the at the very end of this season, too, you know, or maybe he plays uh, a year in the AHL or something like that. So he's not that far away from being, you know, if being in the show. So I really like that. I think he's going to be one of the top performers for USA, which, which, you know, should be a good team. And, you know, even if he's not on that top line, he's he's probably going to be a top sixer. He's probably going to be on the power play. He's He's going to be out there a lot and I just I just love watching him play because he he generally like things happen when Rucker McGrady is out there usually and it, it's usually of the exciting variety even if it's a, a big hit or something so what do, you, what do you think about McGrady Pete? I like him a lot I agree with what you said he's a he's an exciting player to watch he's dynamic he's offensive he's physical he's defensive he's a leader I'm very confident he'll be on their the first line with with Gauthier and Snuggerud, or 1A, 1B, whatever you call that, followed by the Boston College line as well. And didn't you just trade him to me in, in the DPFHL? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so thanks for that. I'm going <laughs> to enjoy watching him in the World Juniors now that I have him on, on one of my rosters. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. I don't love the fact that he's drafted by Winnipeg. That's... That is a bit of a, a knock against them. Not that they don't develop their their prospects very well. They're just a boring team to watch. So hopefully he can change the culture there and, and make them a little bit more exciting and give me something a little bit more to root for when I'm when he makes it to the NHL and I'm watching him. 
One player who has no problem with excitability is Macklin Celebrini. We can't talk World Juniors without bringing up this kid. He is the 2024 draft consensus projected first overall pick, and he'll be playing for Canada. He's a six foot, 190 pound center playing at the Boston University with the Terriers. This kid has just simply dominated everything that he's touched for the last two seasons. In two years ago, his D minus, yeah, his draft minus one season, they're minus two. Anyway, last year he played in the USHL, 86 points in 50 games with the Chicago Steel. He led the league in goals with 48. He led the league in points with 46. He was rookie and player of the year. Followed that up this season, which is still going, of course, but as a 17-year-old freshman in the NCAA, he doesn't turn 18 until June. So he's got like exceptional status, essentially, to play in college by having accelerated his education which granted him early access to the NCAA. 15 games at BU so far, he's got 10 goals and 15 assists. So that's an assist a game point pace for 25 points in 15 games. He's starting to draw comparisons to some some pretty lofty names like Connor Bedard, which I think is a little little overzealous. Uh, he's got a lot to do to, to get himself in into the conversation of Connor Bedard. Some of the comps on hockey prospecting for him are names like, oh, Mary Lemieux, Connor McDavid, Paul Korea, Patrick Kane. That's some pretty good company. I, so here's a player at the World Juniors. What, what am I expecting to see from him? So he is just 17 years old, right? So let's let's keep that in mind. But I think he's going to ease his way into the tournament slightly. And as the games progress and he gets a lot more confident, he'll gain the confidence of the coaches as well. And his ice time will grow. Uh, He's a force on both sides of the puck. It's obviously he's dynamic offensively, but he's also pretty tenacious defensively. Uh, I've seen him take a bunch of really big hits and he can take it. He can take the hits. No problem. I think by the time this tournament gets into the medal rounds and the elimination games, I think he'll be someone who's trending towards being tournament MVP. I think the the upside with this kid is, is pretty phenomenal. I don't expect him to have, you know, the Connor Bedard level dominance that we saw at the world juniors last year, where what was it like two, three points a game Bernard was getting. And when the game was on the line, you just put him out and you know, he's going to score. And he was just doing incredible things. So I'm I'm not sure we're going to see like that level of production where if you project it out over two or three world juniors, he's in like the all-time tournament leading point categories kind of kind of stratosphere. But I think he's the kind of player that could have so much hype around him by the time we get January in this tournament that he's getting like up here in Canada, he's getting like Jordan Everly legendary status achievement for his play in this tournament. And It'll solidify if there is any shred of a doubt as to where his status in in the draft is. And for those poor bastard fans that are cheering for teams like Ottawa and San Jose and whoever the losers are in the NHL, it'll give them a silver lining for what they could be getting at the at the draft in Vegas at the Sphere this summer. So that's kind of my 
my take on Celebrini with where we're at with him at this stage in his career and what we can expect from him in, in this tournament. And my, you know, the Conor Bedard comparisons, I think are overzealous. I do, Victor, do you think I'm overzealous even just watering that down a bit and saying like, I think his career potential is somewhere in the range of, of Nate McKinnon? Yeah. You went from Bedard to McKinnon. I don't think that's like a step down or anything. I mean, that's a pretty lofty praise. I mean, right. Mm -hmm. and, and by the way, what world are we in where you're quoting hockey prospecting comps? Like, come on. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I, I know. I feel like uh, we're in we're in an alternative universe here. I'm, but... I'm stealing your, your mojo. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I think that when you look when you look at those hockey prospecting comps, they're all superstars slash nhl legends so first ballot so, hall of famers yeah like celebrini looks amazing he looks franchise altering he looks incredible but i think to your point too he he's not just like an offensive guy he's a very well-rounded player like he's someone you can put out literally in any situation and he's gonna be great like end of the game winning or losing you know all situations that he he probably like i don't know Quatra is older and been playing in the NHL, but Celebrini might be their their best center right now. And it's crazy to think that as a 17-year-old, he's going to do that. I think comparing him to Bedard and what Bedard did last season is just not fair to the young man. I think that he's going to have an incredible tournament and we should not we should try to not do that because that's not really fair to him. But I do think he's going to be great. And I think that there's no question he's the number one pick in my mind. I don't think anyone is really even that close. So yeah, he's he's awesome. And I, I'm just looking forward to watching him. And just, yeah, remember what Pete said. He is literally 17 until June. He's playing in the NCAA and going to be one of the best players in this tournament. Like, it's insane. And just enjoy. Because he's great. Yeah. It is blowing my mind how young he is and how good he is. If he it came should. out in this year's draft, where, do you, where would you draft him? If he came out in the 2023 draft? Yeah. Aurelio Carlson and Fantilli? Yeah. I would take him. Yeah, I would take him too. Interesting. Yeah, also because he's a center. And, well, those are all technically centers, but I'm not convinced mentally he's a center, frankly. There's no, there's no wrong choice between, like, those top three guys there, four guys. Like, those are all bananas good players. But right now he's projecting to be at a, at a very, very high level. And, you know, I can't wait to, to get some really good views of him at this tournament light the lamp with DraftKings sportsbook right now new customers can make a five dollar bet and score 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and sign up with code thpn that's code thpn only at DraftKings sportsbook we're going to change pace a little bit this is a guy that i'm really interested to watch not because I necessarily think he's going to be amazing at this tournament, but Edward Chalet, who was drafted 20th overall by Seattle in 2023. He is a 6'2", 174-pound right wing, played in, Je in Czechia in his draft season, and he has been with Barry of the OHL so far this season, 21 points in 25 games. The reason I'm most interested in watching Chalet is because he has amazing skill and can pull you out of his seat when he wants to. And when he doesn't want to, or he's not interested in the play, he's like so invisible. So I'm really interested to see what he does and if he can 
be a sort of starring role on this Czechia team, which is a little bit, I think, weaker than some other versions they've had recently. So especially last season with how, how close they came. So I think that he's, he, he, you know, I want to see, and, I, and for those of you that are watching and keenly watching this tournament, look at what Chalet is doing away from the puck if you can. You know, try to pay attention to what he's doing you know, off puck and if he's impacting the game in, in other ways, because I think that's going to be a real important thing for him. Can he really help drive play, do all those other things? And if you look at the tracking data from uh, Lassie Alanen, who does the tracking data along with Mitch Brown, he does the European side. It is awful. He has some of the worst expected goals. The transition play is awful. The game score, the controlled exits, entries, it's all pretty bad. So it's almost like you look at this tracking data and you say, how did this guy become a first round pick? Because it's, it's so bad. But then you watch those few moments where he does incredible things and you're like, oh, okay, that's why. So maybe those things just need to happen more often or maybe he needs to just improve some of his off-puck play. I'm not sure. I'm still really curious about Edward Chalet and I want to know more and that's why I'm really interested in watching him. Are you, Pete? Yeah, I haven't, you know, I watched him in the tournament last year or U18s, whatever it was. I've seen, I've seen him in a couple international tournaments and yeah, I mean, what you read about him and what you see in the tournament they're all in sync. He has moments where he's invisible or or worse. And then he also has moments where you're like, holy smokes, that was a wicked play. That was soft hands. That was a great goal. He's had a little bit of, took him a little bit of time to adjust to the OHL. But, you know, the fact that he was drafted by Seattle kind of gives me some confidence in him. And we had Chris McDonald on, he talked about one of the things that they really value is compete level. So that's something that I'll be, I'll be looking for in this tournament is to see what his compete level looks like. Cause even if he makes some, some poor, poor decisions, he can live with that. If he's got the offensive upside to, to kind of counter that. If he doesn't have a compete level though, then, you know, if that's, if that's where, if it's indifference to the play that's causing him to make these bad plays, that's that's not as a forgivable sin, in my opinion. So that's that's what I'm going to try and decipher for myself watching this tournament is to what is the cause of these shortcomings in his games and these mistakes that he's making? Is it because he doesn't care? He doesn't compete very hard or he just, you know, he's just making some bad plays and he, he needs some experience and coaching and development and that will work itself out. And then what you'll be left with is a much more finished product with a high offensive upside. So we will, I'll be looking to see what we get out of that. Yeah, in, in my viewings, the compete level is not there. That's one of the big questions that I have. Right. That that's a red flag. All right, let's move on. Let's go back to Boston University and talk about another one of my terriers, Lane Hudson. Hasn't got enough lip service on this show yet, so let's give him some more. As you know, 2022 second round, 62nd overall by Montreal Canadiens and a second Habs prospect we're talking about here. And it's well documented that he's under six feet tall. He's a left shot defenseman. He's 35% fan tracks rostered, which really low for Lane. I thought that would be a lot higher. So he's 19 years old now. And he has been dominant and over a point a game player at his minus draft year at the national team development program last year as a freshman in the NCAA, you know, 48 points in 39 games. I talked about that on a previous episode, how that is like exceeding the point production from 
some legendary players, better than Cal McCarr did as a freshman in the NCAA. Last year at the World Junior Championships, he had four points in seven games. Very good for a defenseman. And in that tournament, he showed some flashes of his offensive dominance. Like he scored some really nice goals. He made some sick plays. He had puck possession in the offensive zone where he was just kind of circling the wagons and, and looking like he was a, a man among boys and dominating. But there were some also some really bad defensive plays where he got beaten really badly when he didn't have the puck. Guys just skated by him a couple of times. He played nine games for USA last year at the World Championships as well. So that's versus pro and men. And he had six points there. And he did not look out of place in that tournament. He looked like he was ready to play pro hockey. This season, he's exceeding his 1.23 point per game pace as a freshman with 1.33 points per game as a sophomore at BU. So what are we expecting from Lane at the World Junior Championship? for USA this year, I think he should be a dominant offensive player for USA. They're going to have a really strong roster. And quite frankly, they're my pick to win gold. They're the team to beat. He's highly offensive players on team USA. And Hudson is going to drive the offense from the blue line for that team. And on the power play, I mean, look for him to be the tournament best defenseman if ASP doesn't win it. I'm not sure that the hype for this player can get much higher than it already is, but we're going to find out because I think he's going to be a superstar in this tournament. And I think he's going to be trending on Twitter on a regular basis in the, in the near future here on a regular basis. The only thing that could stem that would be some egregious defensive breakdowns, which he can be prone to, which will also get him trending on Twitter as well. But he's, he's a highlight reel, a human highlight reel player. And I don't own him in any of my dynasty leagues, which is killing me. So if anyone out there is, is listening and they own Lane Hudson and they want to take advantage of me in one of my leagues, now's the time. Victor, I, Evan's saying that he owns him. Victor, do you have him in any of your leagues? And, and how, how high are you on Lane? Are you on board the Lane train or are you kind of like throwing cold water on him? Oh, no. I think Lane is great. I still question how many minutes he's going to play in the NHL because we have seen those defensive lapses. He has made some really bad plays in his own zone and cost game, cost team games. So that can happen. It's happening less and less frequently, which is of course what you want to see. But yeah, I think the offense is undeniable. I think the big thing is, you know, who, who he's paired with. If he has a good steady partner, then, you know, sky's the limit. But Ryan Chesley. Yeah. Well, at this tournament. Yeah. And at BU, I, I think he's been with Villander, has he not? Which is really good. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that that makes all the difference in the world. Chesley is a fantastic partner for him. He's so reliable, so smart, doesn't wander, kind of does exactly what you expect and want a defenseman to do. So, but when you get to the NHL, who's that going to be on the Canadian? I don't know. Arbor Jackye? No, it should not be Arbor Jackye. <laughs> I don't think that's a good choice. But, they they have some options there. You know, maybe it's Ghoulie. I don't know. We'll see. But I, I do think that I don't have any shares of him. I actually had a couple, but I traded traded them up for people I thought were hundred more sure and had similar upside. So, uh, but yeah, I think Ghoulie is going to be, I mean, Hudson is going to be amazing at this tournament. I think, yeah, he's, he's going to, they're going to feast, especially on, in the, in the, preliminary rounds oh my god they're gonna score so many goals and he's gonna be in on all of them so 
um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to watch Hudson. I'm really excited to to also watch in those high leverage situations, five on five, how he manages it, because sometimes he's still prone to taking risks when he doesn't need to. And that is something that is going to bite him and the Americans if he does it. So uh, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to that's going to play out. All right. So I think the last one that we have here, and this also definitely falls into the interesting, maybe not the highest profile name player, but Rodwin Dionicio is the last guy, and he was taken in the fifth round by the Anaheim Ducks in 2023, 129th overall. He was born in Newark, New Jersey, but he's a both Swiss and American national. He's playing for Switzerland, though. I'm not sure all the details that went into that, but he's going to be on the Swiss team, one of the few who's playing or drafted by an NHL team. And he is a six foot two, 212 pound left-handed D. So big dude, 2% rostered on fan track. So Rodwin Dionicio, widely available, I would say. He played in Switzerland until his D minus one season. Then he went over to the OHL and he's played for the Niagara Ice Dogs. He's been traded twice since, first to Windsor and then now to Saginaw. Saginaw loading up for that Memorial Cup hosting that they're going to be doing. So that should be interesting. So far in his draft plus one season, he's kind of exploded. Draft it up to nearly a point per game, nine points in 10 games. He was actually over a point per game when I first wrote that. Well, for the Windsor Spitfires, he was over. So anyways, looking at his tracking data and Mitch Brown, by the way, and we've had, we've, we love Mitch. He wrote some really interesting things about him at EP Ringside and his tracking data for Dionicio is, ridiculous in fact he kind of rates out as the top one of the top if not the top 100 percentile offensive defenseman which is pretty crazy when you think about what you know all the great offensive defensemen in the chl and he wrote this really interesting comparison to zane Preck, who you know now they're teammates and Preck draft eligible one of the top guys in this year's draft but he rates out better in pretty much every category. And I, I get that he's a year older, but he looks amazing. His expected assist numbers are amazing. His transition play is amazing. A lot of his expected primary pull involvement and game score, all these things are really high end. So the the, the trick here is that Dionicio isn't going to have a whole lot to work with. So that's going to be the difficult thing. And what, you know, that's going to be a little hard to watch perhaps at times because it's it's basically just him and then a bunch of non-drafted you know 19 year olds who you know probably will be decent but you know don't have the talent of some of the other clubs but i'm really interested to see how he handles it you know we've seen leon bixel in this situation before big you know physical defenseman when there wasn't much else on team switzerland and and uh, you know he did it right and and you know, when he was out there on the ice that's what you kind of want to see at least is, are they tilting the ice when they're out there versus when they're not and that's kind of what you'd expect. But also, go get Rodwin Dionicio because he's great. What do you think about him, Pete? I'm part of the less than 2% that owns him or has much of an opinion on him. But it'd be someone interesting to watch when someone's playing Swiss, right? Because usually there isn't very much on Team Swiss. So he's someone who I think I will be paying close attention to. And uh, maybe the next time he's Windsor he plays for, Windsor rolls around. I'll, I'll go to that game and, and and give you a live a live scouting take on him. Then how's that sound? He plays for Saginaw now, but yeah, gonna. Oh, I watched <laughs> him at Ducks training camp in the summer, and I walked away thinking 
He well, one he's he's got a very small build. He still needs to add weight to his frame, but uh, he seemed very athletic, and he and he really stood out to me in a lot of the, the three on three drills. So I own some stock in him, and I'm really excited to see how he plays out. And he's going to be a guy I watch too. Yeah, for a fifth round pick, you think he looked a little better than kind of where he went? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that was that was kind of the consensus. Well, you know what? If if this was the, we were kind of having an exchange on this on Twitter the other day. If you want to bet on any team drafting defensemen, you should bet on the Anaheim Ducks. They know what the heck they're doing. Oh my God, they're incredible. Like e- even the guys who maybe aren't the the most noteworthy, like Giannichio is one of them. Noah Warren, who's on the Jackson Canada Lacombe. team. Yeah, Jackson Lacombe, who, you know, isn't the most exciting guy, but man, you could just put him out there and he's fine. Like he does the job. Like they just, they know what to do when they're drafting defensemen. So if if you're ever just not sure, believe in, in, in the Ducks drafting defensemen. Yeah, I remember Shea Malloy told us that they're one of the best teams as far as drafting and developing defensemen, especially when you look around the league and you see, you know, guys like Shea Theodore and Brandon Montour. And, you know, they still have, I mean, they they, they still have Zellweger in the minors who's, mm-hmm. you know, he, he hasn't even got a sniff yet. While Lacombe and, you know, Tristan Leno, Drysdale, and this Mintikoff kid might be the best of them all too. So defensively, Anaheim is... Uh, they're a juggernaut from the back end and uh, they're going to be really fun to watch out here. And I'm really excited to go to a lot of games in the future. It's true. Amen. Evan, you want to set up the last part here? You've got mail. All right. Well, we did have a mailbag question today from, it was from Brady Bunch. Name I'm assuming has to be Simon. And he wants to know who are going to be the power play leaders for each team at the World Juniors. So, Victor, you want to start off? Yeah. So, hilariously, he actually pronounces it Simone. So, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I thought it was Simon, too, for a long time. Yeah, there's going to be... Wow, there's going to be a lot. I mean, I think some of the lower-end teams are probably you know, a little bit easier. I think Kulik is going to be, you know, that for Czechia, probably Dvorsky. I think Finland is interesting because they do have, you know, they're, they're always hard to pin down because they always play really well, but it isn't usually one player that stands out. So that might be a little bit interesting, but I think, I think quite frankly, their best player might be one of their youngest in Consta Hellenius. That guy is ridiculous. And he, he's 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 really good i also like the shot from haltonen so i think those are are kind of a little bit easier i think that for sweden man i have a really soft spot for liam ogren i just think that he is like the he's just the glue that holds that team to you know he's 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 wearing a letter for a reason because he's 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 the captain he's the leader he may not be the most talented player on that team but i think he's He's one of the best. I also like Bistet. I think that he's really good. So that's probably one. I think we can all assume that ASP is going to be up there too. I'll I'll hold off. I'll stop there and let Pete chime in before we talk about US and Canada because I think there's a lot more options with those <laughs> with those countries. Yeah, I had pretty similar lists for for those teams. Like I think Slovakia, it's still aboard Dvorsky and and Kulich for the Czechs. Kulich would be a really good pick. For your world junior pool, by the way, anyone who's in a world junior pool. So for Trey Knorr, I think Jonathan Lekaramaki is another player who shouldn't be overlooked for Sweden. He's going to be one of their offensive drivers up front. For Suomi, 
I like Hellenius and Haltonen as well. I think those guys are going to be really, really, really important and super fun to watch. And I haven't had very many views of these guys at all or whatsoever. So I can't wait to watch some some Finnish games. Moving up to, we going to do Canada or USA first? Yeah, you pick. All right, let's do Canada. So Rakoff, we talked about him on a recent episode. You, you guys were talking about him on Fantasy Hockey Life as well. He is having a monster season in the OHL and scoring a lot of power play points. So he's someone who I think Canada should. I don't think he was used very much in their in their training camp games on the power. So that's a little bit of a an eyebrow raiser. Like, come on, that's kind of that's isn't that why you brought him? Like, why, why aren't you putting him on the power play? Denton Matejcik, of course, should be writing it for Canada from the blue line, and. And I think Celebrini is, is is kind of a no-brainer there too, right? I think he is just going to shine in this tournament for Canada. So part of that will be production on the power play, uh, making teams pay for taking penalties. Uh, missing anyone obvious for, for Canada from you, or, or do you disagree with any of those those points? No, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree. I think Raykov should be there, but he's currently not, or he hasn't been on either unit for Canada, which right. is crazy. I, I don't know. I, I mean, they're there. I'm not. Maybe they're seeing something. I have no idea what they're doing, but that can change after one or two or three crappy yeah. power plays. That that can change and then not look back. Can change in a heartbeat. So I, yeah. I, I agree he, that 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 is a good pick, but it, it might end up not be just because if they are humming with other guys, they might not ever get that much of a look and they have plenty of other talent to to put there i definitely agree celebrini matechuk i also think that luno might get a decent shot he's he's pretty good at running the power play as well yeah. so really like him i think that they got some other really good options i think cowan is going to be pretty pretty decent you know he's he's really shown a lot i think also geeky has really increased his scoring a lot and you know he's been on one of those power play units he's also just huge so you know they could really just literally lean on him to lean on other people because that's what he's good at and i think a late addition but poitra i mean i don't know how you can't leverage your nhl experience into you know playing a couple of levels down and just dominating so i think that you know he'd be, he'd be a pretty good pick too so um not that i i think there's so many options here so it's hard to say but yeah, i think that those are some other guys that might be might be a good option. That guy we talked about earlier, Jordan DeMay, like that's why he's there is his offense, right? So that's your opportunity to really exploit having him on your roster, putting him on the power play. So yeah, they're, they'll have no no shortage of options there. So I'll, I'll let you lead with USA because, you know, it's your backyard. USA, USA. I know it's kind of weird having them kind of be the favorites this year. I'm used to rooting for the underdog story. You know, a few years ago when they won, it was it was like, really crazy and, and this year it's almost like a weird having them have the target on their back so to speak but yeah i think that i mean lane obviously like he's gonna he's gonna be there and they have you know some other decent defensemen but really you know not not as they don't have anyone that's like lane so he really is gonna be that guy maybe seamus casey if they need uh, other help but on the back end it's, it's gonna be lane hudson for sure i think that you have the the well, you have all the BC boys, <laughs> basically. You have that one line, and then you also have Gautier, 
and then you know Snuggerud and McGrody who aren't BC, but they they've played together for a while. And then you have Leonard Pro and and Smith. So I think those are your six guys. Kind of depends on what order. I personally really like OTA. I think he's he's really really strong. I think he's probably going to be one of the best players. And and if he's going, his line mates are probably going to. But I think you can't really. How can you vote against like literally the highest scoring US NTDB player ever in pro? I think he's probably going to be there too. So uh, it's probably one of those those two. I think if I had to pick just two, it would be it would be Gautier and Pro. But I don't think you'd go wrong with any of those six. I don't know that. To me, this this squad looks different than Canada because I think there's a clear sort of top six ish and then a, a sort of more role players. The only one I can think that maybe doesn't fit that is you have like your Isaac Howard who could play more of an offensive role, but they basically have like six kind of more checking forwards and six more sort of offensive forwards. Whereas I think Canada has almost more of a top nine, you know, in terms of they have some really good offensive players and then kind of a, a checking line sort of speak. So I don't know. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, I could see that maybe I'm not sure if this is a strategy that they'll they'll look for or if it just might organically happen. But in such a short tournament, chemistry is such a big thing, right? And you've got an entire line that plays together at Boston College and has plenty of of power play opportunity and success at the NCAA level. So I would be really surprised if I wouldn't be surprised, I should say, if if that BC line ends up really, really clicking on the power play for USA at this tournament. They're going to be dangerous. Yeah, I mean, that line could win them the tournament, basically. They could just go bananas. And you're right, they probably will stick together. And I think the other line, too, because they played together before. You know, so I think that that makes sense. Yeah. Did you have any takes, Evan, on this? No, the only take I had, and excuse me, guys, it's been a long week of sickness between me and my daughter. I would like to point out and also post a disclaimer and a warning to uh, the DPR Listener League in my league that I do have three of these prospects that we talked about today in ASP, <laughs> Lane Hudson, and Dionisio to go along with Adam Fox and Quinn Hughes. Now, we're looking at a defensive dynasty here. I want everyone to know that. I'm coming. Not right now, but maybe in a couple of years. So, <laughs> that's all and I also, also, it's Evan's birthday. Happy birthday, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no sick. way! Sick and my kid's sick and Kid said happy birthday to Anna. She threw up on me. I mean, what, <laughs> happy, what better... happy birthday to me. I don't know if you can see the bags <laughs> under my eyes. You can probably take those grocery shopping. But it's been a rough couple of days and oh. stuck into work for like an hour. And now I'm going to go back home and I got some chicken noodle soup. And then I'm going to go to bed with some Houston eggs. Get better, uh, bud. And, you know, if you got to be sick over the World Juniors, at least you got something to, to do while you're on the couch. Yeah, I'm really sick during the World Juniors, though. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, now we know how you say I love you in the Sabrin household, so that, that's good yep. to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you guys want to help me make this pick on the, on the air? You want to? Yeah, yeah, let's thing? do it. All I right, want... so this, this maybe, hopefully this will be fun for people. I'm in a World Junior pool over at Fantasy Hockey Life. We have, we're just kind of going back and forth. I think it's 5D or 5-4, 3D and a goalie. This is my second round pick. I took ASP in honor of Evan with my first pick. I think it was fourth overall. So the guys that have gone, Snuggerud went first, maybe a little surprisingly. Hudson went second, not surprising. Gauthier went third. And then the rest of the picks were Beastead, Dume, Celebrini, Perot, Matejchuk, 
Smith, Savoy, Fowler. First goalie off the board. A little interesting there. Geeky and Rakoff. I am not taking a goalie. We'll just say that. And I don't think there are too many more interesting D. So I think those three are the, the best D. We already talked about that, that ASP, Bleth Hudson, and Matejchuk. So probably not taking a D. So it's going to be forward. So there's some there's some pretty decent options on there. I think the question here is, do you go best player on one of the not so good teams? You know, like we talked about Kulik. Or do you kind of go, you know, maybe with one of the other top forwards on you know maybe one of the stack teams my strategy is generally to go with one of the teams i think is going to be in the end which you know all the way to, at least to the semi-final and and, th- and gold and bronze or gold or bronze medal game or gold medal game because then you get the most games which i i think is canada u.s or sweden that's kind of my thought well color me shocked that you're not taking a goalie that doesn't sound like your strategy at all <laughs> it doesn't really it doesn't sound like you but uh, i know right uh, i'm such a goalie lover <laughs> Me and Pete chimed in, and Pete hates defensemen, so I chimed in with Lekkermaki uh, and Ryan Leonard just because I think Sweden and, and the U.S. are going to play for the gold. Those are good picks. i throw in Yuri Kulich's name into the hat. I mean, the guy's playing in the American Hockey League. I think he's he's a level above a lot of the competition in this tournament, so I think he should be really standoutish and dominant and an offensive leader for, for the Czechs and don't underestimate them. They have the potential to do some damage in this tournament. So I wouldn't I wouldn't dismiss him for playing less games necessarily. You never know. Ryan Leonard's available. It's hard to talk me out of that. I mean, he's I just I just said I think he's gonna be on the number one power play on USA and in, in line one A, one B, whatever you want to call it on the tournament favorite and scoring a boatload of points. Ryan Leonard's there. Hard to say no to that, but uh if he I was goes kind of just before you, I'd like Geary. I was kind of thinking that I want one of those Americans on the top, top two lines, you know. So I guess who's left? That's probably McGrody or Leonard, since Gautier and Snuggerud went, and then Smith and Perot went. So yeah, it's kind of between those two. I wonder which, like, they're both going to play a lot. They're both lines are going to score a lot. Yeah, I don't know which one. Edge your bet. Take the take the U.S. guy just in case. Yeah, between those two, you like McGrory, you know, I guess there's some questions of whether how much he's going to play. Maybe maybe he's a little more risky because he's coming off that injury. So maybe mm-hmm. Leonard is kind of the safer pick. But I, I still think McGrory is going to be awesome. So, yeah, maybe McGrory comes back, you know, at a later pick kind of thing. Well, if you took McGrory and he was awesome, then that would help you like win the win the pool. It also lessen the blow because you traded him to me. So. It kind of lessened that sting a little bit if he was super I mean, awesome. I traded him to you because I wanted players that were winning, helping now, not because I don't think he's great. I, I do think he's great. Yeah, I'm sure. I can't remember. I'm sure I paid it. I paid the toll to get him, I'm sure. It was Morrissey and Zaka. So, yeah. You know, I think you're fine losing those guys in two, three years, whatever. You're not going to be too sad about that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think, I think Leonard's the pick. Thanks, the guys, for your help. That's what we're here for. All right. Well, that should pretty much wrap up this episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Dogger Prospects Report, number 37. And as always, find us on X, Twitter, DPR underscore show, at Saber91, at Victor Nuno 12, and at Farling. Follow Hockey Podcast Net at Hockey Pod Net. Find some other cool shows there to listen to. And uh, subscribe on whatever podcast you're 
listening to is on what podcast aggregator, Spotify, iTunes, whatever. And we haven't had a five star review for a while. So, you know, we're kind of kind of not feeling the love. Show us some love. Share this. Share the episodes on on Twitter. Tag us. We'll repost it for you. And we'll see you next week where we'll be talking more World Juniors, I believe. Have a happy holidays, everybody. And keep your stick on the ice. It's a damn Hansel. He's so hot right now. Let's do that hockey. (laughs) 